Thank you for listening to the Power Shift Mindset. We'll be discussing techniques, concepts, and strategies to help you achieve the success and happiness you are looking for. Hey guys, it's Coach Jay, and this week I have a guest, Simone Farce, who I met through Instagram. She's a relationship and intimacy coach, and today we're going to talk about open, intimate conversation. Hey guys, it's Coach Jay, and this week I have a guest with me. I have Simone Farce, who I met on Instagram. Uh, we've been talking, I mean, it's probably been about a year since we initially contacted each other, finally got our schedules to line up. And I want to talk about the importance of connection within a relationship and how important intimacy is in a relationship. And she coaches that um, with people all the time. And I just want to get someone else's perspective and let's see where the conversation goes. So why don't you introduce yourself a little bit on your background and we'll go from there. Thank you. Yeah, super excited to be here. This topic is um, really passionate to me and um, a little bit about myself. I've had a coaching practice for about the past seven years. Um, I've been leading retreats and do online courses, um, mostly focused towards women, but I also work with men, with couples, with families. Um, I really like to keep it um, wholesome and um collective. Um, I think that this part of our, of our, you know, connection intimacy is so important to our well-being, And it's something that I've come to learn through my own experiences through being a mom, having an 11 year old son now, <laughs> um, having a failed marriage and really understanding that it was because of my lack of understanding of how to cultivate intimacy, that I wasn't really paying attention to parts of my body and myself that really needed nurturing. And so that's why I'm here doing what I'm doing. <laughs> so I did see on your Instagram page on, on the title, it mentions empowering women and then it says and couples. So do you primarily work with women? And when you do work with men, it tends to be more in the couple context or do you have a lot of male clients individually as well? Yeah, this always surprises people. But actually, when I first started, I was living in San Francisco. So the majority of my clients were actually men. Um, a lot of guys in the tech industry that were just like, I don't know how to do this, or, you know, this isn't in my wheelhouse of how to communicate, how to kind of get the love that I want. Um, so yeah, I have, I have a lot of experience working with just men. Um, and then I changed my focus to working just towards women. Um, but of course, with that of comes couples and um, everybody else. So what would you say is the the basis, like to start with that foundation for connection and intimacy? What's the most important aspect of that? Mm. Let's say within a couple, whether it's a dating couple, whether it's a married couple. So someone that's in a relationship, what would be the the number one thing for the foundation to build off of? Yeah, I would say communication. Communication is is so important. You know, without communication, we don't have a building block of understanding of where you want your relationship to go, um, how you guys are going to, you know, fix it or get out of it when things are really rough. And that's going to happen in any kind of relationship, even the best ones. And, you know, I think determining what your values are as a couple and what your values are as a human, like what actually is important for you, like how you want and like to feel desired and wanted and needed in a relationship and and also how you take care of yourself right like it's not everything can't just be put onto the other person or the relationship we have to have intimacy with ourselves as well well you mentioned take care of yourself and when you gave your intro you mentioned a failed marriage and you had to go back and 
rebuild yourself on that and realize where, where you individually were lacking. And that's one thing that, again, that I coach, even when I talk um, relationships and stuff like that, you have to worry about yourself first. And a lot of people think it's selfish and you, you tend to see it with the new mom things. My kids come first. My kids come first. Well, I mean, if you feed the kids, you do everything for the kids. There's no more food left for you. You're going to die and the kids aren't going to have you. You have to take care of yourself first. And it's not a selfish thing because if you don't have the strength for you, you can't take care of the relationship. And how do you how do you coach that with individuals that come in and they're like, oh, this going on, that going on. And it's like, well, first we need to take care of you. You need to make sure you're healthy. And like I mentioned that, that health tripod physically, mentally, and emotionally, and you have to do all three parts. Like even in the gym, I tell people you got to lift the weights. It's what you eat and it's how much you eat. And you got to do all three. You can't do the gym and then skip the food, or you can't do eating the right foods, but eating the wrong amounts of foods, all three, same thing with that physical, mental, and emotional how do you get people to make sure they take care of all three elements? Yeah, I mean, it's really similar to to your your philosophy. I work with people holistically, you know, so it's not just, okay, we're just treating the relationship. We're just treating intimacy. We're just treating sexuality. We're looking at the whole spectrum. It's like, how do you connect with your, bo your body? <clears throat> what are you eating? Like, is what you're eating making you feel lethargic and drowsy and heavy so that you can't actually feel desire in your body? So you can't actually make time to get up early in the morning and meditate or you know take a shower and do whatever self-care to make yourself feel good um, it is really important and it's so easy for us in this world to get distracted you know we're on our phones all the time we're um, you know it's easy to just say oh I have more work I have this I have that <laughs> um, it's actually hard to spend time with ourselves it's hard to spend time and just actually look inward these days and so yeah I'm really a um a believer in, you know, going to the gym, having a strong physical activity or exercise, because that allows you to, um, you know, like activate your, your feel good chemicals in your body. It's the same thing that happens when we are in a good relationship or we're feeling really good intimately. And that's how you can do that for yourself first and remember who you are. And then you can bring that back to the relationship. You know, you can be like, wow, this felt so good. Like this was a win for me. Like I'm feeling really clear in my body and I want to share this with you or like, how are you feeling? Like, how can we help each other feel really good and not just be depending on our relationship um, to do that for us? And when we have that kind of independence, um, not independence as in like, I'm not depending on you to cultivate um, our relationship, but like we can count on ourselves to make ourselves also feel good. I think that's a really strong um, part of having a healthy relationship. Yeah, you definitely need to be do you definitely need to be able to take care of yourself. You can't depend on the other person. You it's great to have that support and that help, but if you can't do it yourself, no matter what, I mean, you can lead a horse to water. We've all heard that expression before. So if you have that, it doesn't matter what your coach says, what your partner says, what your therapist says, if you're not willing to put in the work and, and help yourself, you're not going to get there. And you mentioned being physical, the activities you mentioned. And you don't try not to get sucked up in the phones and social media like we, I mean, it, it is the world today. Unfortunately, it is what it is. I don't think it's ever going to go away. Uh, I mean, for me personally, I mean, I just came from the climbing gym. A lot of my activities are physical activities. I mean, I coach sports. I'm still active. I do biking and running and I'm in the gym I mean, three, four times a week. And then, but I also 
reset. I love to just rest. I mean, my favorite episode when friends say, oh, you have a podcast? I send them episode seven, the importance of rest. And then I have, a, <laughs> and then I think it's episode 70 is rest in reset, I believe it is, or rest in the rest. And uh, it's another one. We went back to that topic because it is so important. And what do you personally do to reset and, and just recharge yourself? Mm, yeah, definitely sleep. I'm telling everybody like sleep is my favorite thing because <laughs> I can feel it. You know, if I'm not fully rested, I will feel it the next morning. I'm like, oh, just held back. I can't communicate as well. I'm not fully present. Um, so sleep for sure. Um, my diet is also really important to me. I try to eat, um, you know, all whole foods and as clean as possible. I don't have any strict diet. Like I don't like necessarily saying no to things. I, I believe in, you know, feeling our bodies. Like, I think that's really important as well. So being intuitive, um, especially for a woman's body, we have our cycles and we have four different phases in our cycles. So, um, actually understanding our bodies more, there's so much that we have lost connection to about how our body works and how to, um, help it in those stages. Um, so diet and then also exercise and, and what else, um, yeah, I mean, before bed, I try not to be on the phone. I try to take an hour before I go to sleep to read or to write or do some stretching or something that I know that's going to make me feel good and start making me actually feeling sleepy so I can have better rest. And yeah, those are- uh, I like how you mentioned, you mentioned eating clean, which I mean, just to give a little background on me, uh, March was two years ago that I had to have a stent put in for a 99.9% blockage in my LED. So mm -hmm. the the widow maker, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I say how I was probably- I was in working in a machine shop at the time. I was possibly one move from lifting something heavy and being on the ground behind the machine. I mean, and I mean, that woke me up um, family history. I knew it was going to get to me eventually. Um, one of my favorite things to reset is I love going backpacking as much as it's a physical activity. I sleep in the woods all the time on any given day. I'll send my wife a text. I'm sleeping in the woods. She'll come home and I'll be gone with my <laughs> backpack, my sleeping bag and just go out in the woods, keep the phone off, lay under the trees and just, give me that 12 hours. I mean, I can hit a trailhead at 5 PM and be back home by eight, 9 AM the next day. And it's just enough to get out in nature. Um, but you also mentioned no strict diet and having that just the ability to still enjoy food, enjoy life and stuff like that. I have a good friend of mine who's type one diabetic and she actually did a, a podcast with me. Um, and the title was dealing with adversity. And we talked about her, her challenges with that, where, she eats anything she wants. Now, obviously limits her carbs, doesn't eat much pasta, much rice, stuff like that. But she had another friend who was type one who we joke about counting tater tots. He was so strict that, nope, I got to count. I got to make sure. And when you do stuff, great. You're you're being a little more focused on your physical health because you're balancing those carbs instead of having your blood sugars wave like a roller coaster to nice rolling hills. But you hurt your emotional and your psychological health by not enjoying the night out with the guys and not and enjoying and everything at Thanksgiving dinner. And mm -hmm. again, how do you, how do you work with that with again, balancing and with your clients? I mean, when, when they're struggling to, okay, I got to be strict. I can't have chips with, with my, with my lean chicken. It's like, no, you can go chicken thighs. They have a little more fat. You can, <laughs> I mean, you can throw some yeah. of Frenchie's fried onions on there and it's not going to hurt you. Yeah, I think it, it comes back to like, well, where is that messaging coming from? You know, is that your parents, you know, restricting you or telling you that you shouldn't eat this or that or, 
um, why do you feel like you have to play into these very, you know, restrictive diets or be so like, we're so hard on ourselves. Like shame is one of those elusive things that lives within us and it pops up strongly and some of our actions and our, and, and mostly like our self self hate, you know, um, and our, our self dialogue. So when we're talking about diet and exercise and, and taking care of ourselves, um, we have to also be really sensitive to how we, we are talking to ourselves and, and as well as in our relationships, you know, how does that restrict us from being intimate or having the hard conversations of if we, you know, need more pleasure um, for ourselves or we desire more pleasure from our partners? And do we feel shame in that? You know, do we feel like we're only allowed to have pleasure if we do X, Y, and Z? Um, yeah, there's so much that plays into that. And I try to broaden the conversation to really ask, like, why? is it really serving you to be that restrictive? Like, what if we open up the conversation a little bit more, what really feels good to your body? I think it is like when we're talking about diet and we're talking about exercise, like it also is good to say like, okay, for X amount of days or weeks, like I, I do um, some classes, like a workshop doing the 369, the liver cleanse. I don't know if you've ever done that or heard of that, but it's really good. Um, it's like celery juice in the morning, lemon water and, you slowly kind of start taking all carbs and meats for a couple of days. And so it's really a detox diet and you have to really be strict to get the results that you want. So sometimes it's really important, but as for an overall living um, way of being, I think it's important to, to just ask if that's really serving you. And when we are super restrictive, that can also play into how we communicate outside, you know, like, are we talking to our kids and picking them up and we're so hungry and we're so like, tightly wound that then we like outburst to them or to our to our lovers or to our partners um and if we can calculate like well maybe if we were a little bit easier on ourselves we could also be a little easier to our relationships around us well you had mentioned a couple things as far as like the different foods and doing the stricter diets and obviously if you're going to do something with that extreme goal you need to be strict i mean someone that's a competitive athlete or they're to go into a bodybuilding or physique competition, obviously need to be the strictness. My thing is eat clean all the time. It's okay to go. I mean, today's buy one, get one free at Buffalo Wild Wings. If wings are your things, <laughs> go, go and go and hit Buffalo Wild Wings. And I'll always joke. I mean, you better not skip grandma's apple pie at Thanksgiving and you don't skip your nephew's birthday cake. It's, it's okay. Mm. You're going to survive. Mm. Uh, and you actually made a, a good transition. I wanted to go and you mentioned the balance of, of intimacy, how do you coach couples when the desires of, of the two partners are different? Where, and I, I talk about how one partner could be on a level three and one par partner's on a level eight, whether that's I mean, quantity, quality, I mean, variety, however you want to describe it. But one, I mean, they're okay with that I mean, once a week um, moment and the other one wants two or three times a week or even someone's every other week. And, and how do you get that balance? And cause someone's got, I mean, they both have to give one has to accept that it's going to be a little less than they want. The other one's got to accept that it's going to be a little more than they might necessarily want. But when it's that far off, how do you coach a couple into getting that balance? Yeah. I mean, this is one of, one of the greatest things I work with couples on is mix matched desire. Um, so you are definitely really lucky if you and your partner both have the same 
um, drive and the same desire to connect in the same ways and have the same fantasies. Like that's amazing. And oftentimes when we get into relationships, we feel like we do because one of us is being subservient to the other's fantasies. And so it's like, everything is great and perfect, but then, you know, come a year, it's like, mm, I'm not actually being fully fulfilled. I'm not actually really getting what I want. Or like, you you realize, oh, you were actually tolerating all the times that you were, you know, being intimate you weren't actually, you were actually desiring something else. Um, so it's, it's, it's an interesting topic and it's an important one because there are ways to bridge fantasies. There are ways to connect. Um, but it's really about understanding your core desires and your core desires are those those feelings that you want to feel in times of intimacy. So it's not like, you know, what made you feel so good? Like, how did you get the big O? It's it's what led up to that that made you feel so connected and understood and really valued in that moment. And those are different things for different people. And they play out in different scenarios for different people. Um, and so in coaching my clients to work on that, it's important to talk about what those feelings are so you can better understand your partner and why they want to feel those things. And so you can help, you know, you have to compromise a little bit. You have to be like, okay, I know it's really important for my partner to feel safe or to feel worshipped or to feel powerful in this, in this situation. So what are ways that I can, um, we can create a situation that those things are being given um, and also my desires and my needs of feelings are also being um, fed into. Does well, you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned connection. Connection is important. I mean, that makes the biggest difference. Um, and you, you also mentioned how you'll get someone that they get together and they think everything is matching. And then a year later, they find out that, oh, we don't match as much as we thought we were. So you mentioned a year later and my wife and I, and I describe it Every year I put it on Facebook when it's our anniversary, it's been a roller coaster ride. Sometimes you smile, sometimes you puke, but for some reason we keep getting back in line. And that's how <laughs> I describe the marriage. And yeah. we'll be 22 years this year. So when you get someone that it's, you met someone, you thought you were the same. And then a year later, you find out you're not the same. When you go five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years, it's also a case of you both grew in different directions. And like I tell my wife, it's not good. It's not bad. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just different. We've both grown and we might've grown different ways. How do you handle that? Where if you have that couple that, again, they've been together 10 plus years, 15 plus years, and they're realizing we're just not connecting anymore. And it's, again, no one necessarily did anything wrong. It's just their desires are different than they were when they met 15 years ago. Mm, yeah. I mean, there's this saying that we have seven major relationships in our life and sometimes those seven different relationships can be with the same person. So we're always evolving, we're always changing. And it's important to rem remember that and come back and be like, well, is this still the person that I wanna share my life with? And if those um, feelings are still there and it's like, okay, maybe we're not you know, in the same lustful moments, but that's okay because I love you and you play a role in my life and we take care of each other. And that's, what's really important right now. Then that's, what's important. You know, I mean, we we're always changing. And I think, I think um, curiosity is really important in long-term relationships, you know, staying really curious and open-minded because after a couple years of being with some person, you kind of just assume that you know what they want and you know what they like. And that's not always the case because we are evolving. And if we pigeonhole our partner into 
believing that we know them so well, we don't give opportunity for growth and evolution with the relationship. It's like, you're going to take the re relationship and freeze it as if when you guys first met, but you guys are completely different people now and you should be completely different people. So to make space to have conversations about like, well, who are you now? Like, who am I now? Let's talk about it. Like, what, what is it that you like? Do you like this thing that we've been doing together in bed for the past five years? Or is there something you've always wanted to try? Like, don't be afraid to ask the uncomfortable questions and don't be afraid to be open to hearing a different answer from your partner. I'm going to touch on two things that you mentioned. Um, so you got that, that difference. I mean, we're going to grow, we're going to evolve. And again, the, the mix match thing, and you mentioned the communication. So, and we've all heard of the book in mean, the love languages and stuff like that. So we all have our love language. Now I know mine are I mean, quality time and physical touch. That's what I like, but I know I speak in gift giving. I mean, I, I give friends gifts all the time. Um, not necessarily anything big. If I know I have a, a friend that I mean, is having a, a, a bad day, a bad week, I'll go pick up a single rose and next time I see him. And stuff like that. I have little prayer coins that I got um, that I've given friends and stuff like that. So I know a lot of times we think about our love language, how we communicate, but we got to remember to communicate to the other person in their love language or in the way that they understand things. So when you have that mixed match um, situation and not knowing, I mean, how do you break those communication barriers where one person's more willing to talk and the other person holds back? Yeah, that's also a great question. There's a whole theory called attachment theory. And that is basically how we communicate, uh, feel safe to communicate. And there, it's a spectrum of, you know, being very avoidant and being very anxious. And this kind of falls in like, well, some person might really want to talk about things. And the other person might be like, I don't know how to talk about anything. Like my go-to is like, mm, I'm going to go figure this out on myself and then get back to you later. But that'll leave the other person being like, wait, what, what's going on? <laughs> I'm trying to figure this out. And you're just like, it seems like it's not important to you. Um, so the, so you have to, you have to, again, like I think relationships, nobody really talks about the work that goes into relationships and that even the best relationships have a lot of work that, that happen. And it's important to figure out at what level communication feels good. And I think the question is, is like, how do you want to be seen, valued and wanted? And if you can ask your partner that, um, you guys might have completely different answers, but that will illuminate a little bit more how it is that you operate and how it is that you want to be intimate with each other. And then the other thing you had mentioned you have the, the different connections and intimacy and let's go I mean, sex having that. Um, if you have that different, the different levels again, uh, you had mentioned, well, you know what, we're not doing that, but I do love you this and that. Do you feel that love is enough to keep a relationship together when our intimacy or our intimate desires are that far apart because intimacy and sex is important. I mean, I've seen quotes many times that if the sex life is good, it's 5% of the relationship. If it's bad, it's 95% of the relationship. So if you're on those two extremes where one person wants and needs it and the other person doesn't, is love enough to hold it together? Now, I do know couples that neither of them are overly interested in having a, a sexually intimate relationship. So they're going to go great because 
their their desires are the same level. They're both at level one or they're both at level eight. It's going to work. But when it's that far apart, is love enough to keep a relationship together? Yeah, 100%. I think love is enough to keep a relationship together, but you may grow apart, you know? And I think what every couple really doesn't want is to ultimately just feel like they're roommates that don't really talk to each other anymore living in the same house and so that's where a lot of the work that I do comes in is like rekindling your connection now that connection doesn't explicitly have to be sexual right it can be like how do we just rebuild our intimacy to become close and make sure that we're like on the same page and we can talk to each other and we can feel like best friends again and we can laugh and we can do the things that make us feel good um I mean I'm also really into relationship design so I'm not opposed to I work with couples that are interested in maybe opening their marriages or their relationships and they don't know how so if they do have vastly different desires and it doesn't matter to them or they they could feel comfortable with maybe opening that um, aspect with somebody else if they feel safe in doing so um, then there's ways to also you know do that and that's not for everybody, but it is for some people. And that's also an option. And yeah, I think there's a lot of possibilities. And I think the baseline is just like not getting stuck, you know, not feeling like this is the end of the road and this is all there is because there really is a lot of possibilities. And if there's still love, then there's still love. That's great. You know, if you're like, God, I can't stand this person, then that's a different conversation, right? Like if right. you just don't want to be in the house anymore and it's like you're disgusted and all those things. <laughs> Well, we, we know like bad news travels faster than good news. It it just the way it works. And you mentioned I mean, open relationships from from your I mean, work with that or your involvement in that with clients. What have you seen as a, a success rate for that? Have you seen where a couple tries that and it's successful or they go six months or a year and say, you know what, this isn't working. And then they just stop that and they're good. Or have you seen it? break people apart could well again bad news travels faster we'll always hear on how it ruined relationships but there are many many people out there and even i know some that that has been a successful way of i don't know if we want to say putting a patch on there or fill in the void or however you want to word it i know many situations where there has been success with that format an open relationship or polyamorous relationship and do you do you see that that tends to be a successful venture for people or have you seen it be more detrimental yeah i i like to call open relationships <clears throat> honest relationships because that's really how in my experience it, it it feels to me it's like you are deciding okay we're going to be really truthful and honest about everything um what feels great and what also feels uncomfortable and you know how i might be feeling fear in my body or any anxiety in my body when you do x y and z or you know when i go to my go-to pattern of you know wanting to leave as soon as something happens because I'm triggered and so when we open up to being completely honest then I think it builds a set of tools um, to have more active communication that is really great for whether you're an open relationship or whether you're a monogamous relationship and not everybody really talks about it like that. Um, so as far as have I seen it be successful, I have seen it be successful because when you start practicing the ability to communicate like, oh my gosh, like I'm really having this desire. Like I see that you're, you know, really busy with the kids or with work or you're you're not feeling so much um, 
you know, sexual than, but I am like, and I have this attraction to so-and-so, like, how would you feel about me flirting with her or connecting or, you know, even just opening up that conversation, that's conversations that we just don't have if we're in a monogamous relationship because we feel like we're going to be judged. We're feeling we're not allowed to even think like that. <laughs> like, right. How many um, guys like get yelled at for just like looking at a girl at a coffee shop, like watching her go, it's like, don't do that. It's like, okay. So you, it's just, it can be a little bit unnatural and it can and really block us from communicating our truths. And again, our truth doesn't mean that we have to act on it, but it's like, you want your relationship to feel like you're with your best friend. Like you can share everything. And open relationships can do that, <laughs> at least the building blocks of them. So I've, I have seen them be really successful because they allow couples to really talk about things that they haven't talked about that, that start to build resentment and fear in the relationship and then eventually start to create distance. Now, once you have that capacity to actually let that out, then you can get closer and be like, wow, I didn't know that you thought this way or I didn't know that. I wasn't actually connecting with you when you when you really wanted me to be there and like how can we work on that and so if you first start building the relationship and then you make those agreements about being open then it can be a a safe space where it's not about like i think you said something like trying to patch something over like you don't want to start an open relationship if you've been hurt and then you're like okay well we're just going to keep doing this like that's not a healthy version of an open relationship right no i understand that yeah, no, there's, like I said, it, it the toughest thing is when you have the the different outlooks on what you want. When you want something different than your partner, that's that's the toughest thing. Brit, somehow making it so it works, so it's that that smooth transition between the two of you. And again, where I mean, you have that relationship where neither couple or neither individual wants I mean, to be overly sexual, but it's okay because neither of them want it, but when one wants it more than the other, that's when you start to get, and I don't want to say resentment, but it's either one's not getting it enough. One's giving in too much. And again, you don't want, you never want to push someone one way or the other to, to do something more outside of their comfort zone. But like you said, right off the bat, communication is one of the biggest things. Yeah. And I think if there is that mismatch of uh, somebody have, having a higher drive than the other person, you know, something that I work a lot with um, women, men, couples on is their self-pleasure practice. I think that's an, a really great way to create connection with yourself, to release some of that um, energy and to tap into that energy um, where you're not going outside of the relationship. But again, I mean, even, even self-pleasuring <clears throat> is taboo in some relationships you know it's not something that people talk about it's not something that people think happens once you're in a relationship anymore and if it does you're wondering why because it's outside of you know the partnership and I think that needs to be talked about as a healthy healthy thing rather than an unhealthy um, practice and again I think it's just like our you know our exercise or our meditation routine it's like building that connection with our body so we understand how to make ourselves feel good. Um, also, so we can communicate that with our partners. Like, this is what I really like. And um, yeah, we just have greater understanding of our own needs. Well, you, you mentioned taboo. And I was going to say, you had brought up I mean, potential open relationships, stuff like that. And I think I have a few years on you. I'm, I'm, I'm 47. So I'm that generation X that we almost have like no identity. I have a sister that's 19 years younger than me. And I remember when she wanted to start putting stuff on YouTube when she was younger, 
my parents, my father and my stepmother were adamant that they didn't want her to do this. So I have to turn to, to her and just say, hey, listen, they're just trying to protect you. This is what's going on. And then I had to bridge over to them and say, hey, listen, the world is the internet now. I know you had, I mean, tin cans and a string when you grew up. <laughs> then we got phones and now we have computers. So I'm I'm the generation that grew up with the phone attached to the wall, but now I'm also living in cell phone. And so do you find that the different generations of clients are more or less open? Like you mentioned, taboo it is we can go back to and the children of the 60s, the baby boomers, where it was sex, love and rock and roll. And it wasn't necessarily considered an open relationship. It was just they did whatever they wanted to. And then we go into the AIDS epidemic of the <laughs> 90s. And then it was like, oh, no, we can't do anything like this. And now it looks like this younger generation, I mean, open and poly. I mean, there's TV shows on polyamory and, and stuff like that. It seems like we've almost made that swing from the 60s. Mm -hmm. But instead of it being random, we gave a title to it. We made it sound more elegant. And mm -hmm. have you seen that? Yeah, I mean, there's just an overload of information and opinions and ways of doing life, um, all colors of the rainbow. <laughs> So I, there's a lot out there. Um, I think that there's also not a lot of guidance. Um, so again, like working with somebody like me, um, if you really are considering an open relationship would be valuable because it's not like, okay, let's just do this. Um, many people have different versions of what that looks like. And it's really good to have going back to like our first, uh, you know, your first question, like what are the the foundations of intimacy, you know, it comes down to communication and honesty and, and being able to be on the same page. Um, and I do think that the generations that didn't have that um, are open to it if they're going through something where they're like, this isn't working. Like we are, we, we are ready to like be honest and, and open our marriage in a way because, you know, why not? And doing it in a healthy way that feels good. Um, is, I'm seeing a lot more of that as well. Yeah. Well, like you said, doing things in a healthy way, communication is the big thing. And if you don't communicate in both ways, your partner doesn't know what you're thinking. You don't know what your partner's thinking. And they have to be able, When, like you said, there's going to be questions and answers that are uncomfortable to hear the questions, answers to that are uncomfortable to hear once you ask that question. And we just have to be prepared for that. So you want to give uh, out your Instagram and uh, social media contacts and where people can sure. contact you and see your content. And I'll have it in my show notes as well. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on. This is definitely an interesting conversation and I hope it was helpful for everybody listening. Um, if you want to follow me, <clears throat> you can find me on Instagram at The Pleasure Plus. And also I have a website, thepleasureplus.com and then more for coaching one-on-one um, -on -one and couples. It's just my first and last name. So simonefarshi.com. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I'm glad we finally got our schedules to line up. And uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. I, I feel that it's important. And I have conversations personally with my wife and with clients that how important communication is. Um, and I do feel that intimacy is a big part of a relationship. Um, and, and that extends outside of just sex. I mean, I know a lot of times that's the when someone mentions intimacy, but it, it goes through everything else. It's got so many layers and and I'm glad we were able to take the time and discuss it. Yeah, 100%. We need to broaden our perspective on pleasure, on intimacy, on love. And, and as you said, it is much more than that finite detail. And that can be expanded in so many ways. Thank you. All right. Thank you.
Shift Mindset podcast is for entertainment purposes only. While the suggestions, strategies, and practices we have given have been proven successful for our personal use as well as clients we have worked with, these recommendations should not supersede instructions given by any licensed professionals, including but not limited to your primary care physician and mental health professionals. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today for the PowerShift Mindset Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at The PowerShift Mindset and also visit thepowershiftmindset.com. Thanks again for listening to The PowerShift Mindset.